1: I can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of June 2011. Newcomers, I do suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for download. There's hundreds to choose from. And hopefully I'll give you shortcuts to understanding this massive superstructure that surrounds a world called the New World Order, a massive system that really puts governments where they are. They, They put forth the guys that you think you elect into office. And really they run the bureaucracies too, which is even more important because the bureaucrats are always there regardless of the party. And they're the only guys that really know their agendas. So, uh, you understand that we've been all been, we've been lied to, we've been fooled, been trained to be fooled actually through our educational system. And we're updated every generation, uh, with the education system into this new paradigm so that people eventually will kind of waltz into this new system thinking it's all quite natural. That's how you use, uh, basically psychology on the general public and neuroscience, as you call it today. Neuroscience is very, very big with the big wigs. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, all those sites listed on the com site have uh, transcripts as well for download in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages of some of the talks I've given, look into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself to the variety offered there. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you because I don't uh, bring on advertisers as guests, and which is okay. Most hosts do. That's how they make their living. But I try to get as much information as I can out in the time offered and uh, I'd rather just be straightforward with the, what I'm doing and why I'm here and what I try to say to you, because time really is short as we go through the biggest transitions we've ever faced since. Really, uh, the people were put off their lands to fill the slum cities for the industrial era. We're going back to the same kind of system without the industry, and that's what that's a big part of the, the program. So you can buy the books and discs I have for sale at com. You can also use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. You can send cash, and you can also use PayPal to order. Use the donation button, follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you can use Western Union, MoneyGram, and again PayPal to order, and just follow it with an uh, 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 email with your name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you, and straight donations, believe you me, are rather uh, desperately needed right now, I should say. I've heard on about this big system, as I say. It's uh, planned before you were born, by the way. They've never veered, the guys who planned it, uh, never veered from any part of their agenda. Even when you think you've won a certain part, no, they bring it back under different guise, a different name, or they already have three things going through at the same time through law with different names on them. And so if the middle one is is taken down because you see it coming, you don't see the ones from the side. They never fail in what they do because it's a must-be for them. Uh, You understand, you're not living in any kind of democracy, and you never have been living in any kind of democracy. Democracy only gives you the right to vote. Someone into office is placed in front of you, and once they're in, they can do whatever they wish. In fact, voting is your downfall because it keeps their system going. If we all stopped voting, you'd have to see the monsters come out and bear the teeth because because um, they wouldn't let up even then, of course. They'd have to come forward as they really are and be the, the dictatorial system they really truly are behind all the facade of politics and democracy. And go back generations, you can find the same group as I've gone through the history of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, Lord Alfred Milner. And uh, the Caesar Rhodes Foundation, the British Empire to be the embryo for a world state, and the US taking over, which has done very well. Now there is broke as Britain. Uh, China will take up the cudgel after that. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and yesterday I put a website up, it's called The Green Agenda, with lots of quotes in it to do with global government, or governance as I like to call it, uh, with all the environmental groups that work for the United Nations and departments of the United Nations, saying quite bluntly uh, and matter-of-factly that we have to constantly present to the public scary scenarios of impending doom to make them listen to us, make them give up their rights and their freedoms, and... Uh, so that the, so that the United Nations itself could rule over the whole world basically. So when I say, I'll give you a, four, a few more quotes from this particular site, and I'll put the link up again tonight at com at the end of the broadcast, and here's one here from one of the big shots who's been there for 50 years. He says, In my view, after 50 years of service in the United Nations system, I perceive that the utmost urgency and absolute necessity for proper earth government. There's no shadow of a doubt that the present political and economic systems are no longer appropriate and will lead to the end-of-life evolution on this planet. That's part what you get taught in university ELE uh, uh, courses. We must, therefore, absolutely and urgently look for new ways. And so that's Dr. Robert Mueller, UN Assistant Secretary General. See, the UN was set up to be this world government, basically, by, again, the Milner Group. They set up the League of Nations, and the same group, when they called themselves the Royal Institute for International Affairs, created the United Nations. They said they need world wars to make it happen, and they got what they wanted, since they were behind a lot of the funding for them. Anyway... There's another article, another quote here. Nations are, in effect, ceding portions of their sovereignty to the international community and beginning to create a new system of international environmental governance as a means of solving otherwise unmanageable crises. Lester Brown from World Watch Institute. These are all UN affiliates. Regionalism must precede globalism. Now, you've been in regionalism for a long time. They split up the world into ten main regions, and then within those regions are subregions. And uh, this is where they're going with it all. Regionalism must precede globalism. We foresee a seamless system of governance from local communities. That's your communitarian areas as you split up uh, countries into little areas and towns and cities into communities, individual states, regional unions, and up through to the United Nations itself. That's the United Nations Commission on Global Governance. That's their own body that's going to take over. Then there's another one, a keen and anxious awareness is evolving to suggest that fundamental changes will have to take place in the world in order uh, at, and its power structures in a distribution of wealth and income. That's and now the bank crash was meant to redistribute your wealth across the world under austerity measures, and that's what they're doing. There's more money going out of our countries now. It's not going to the poor countries, by the way. It's going to build factories and plants for the international uh, corporations. They work with the United Nations. Because it's a feudal system you're in now. It says, perhaps only a new and enlightened humanism can permit mankind to negotiate this, tra- this transition. This is into a world order. The Club of Rome, that's the main think tank for the United Nations. That's from Mankind at the Turning Points. if you want to read more of it. Another one from Michael Gorbachev, who was a president of uh, the Soviet system. When they were playing that game and it was a game The alternative to the existing world order can only emerge as a result of new human dimension of progress We envision a revolution of the mind, a new way of thinking That's at the State of the World Forum by Michael Gorbachev We require a central organizing principle, one agreed to voluntarily Minor shifts in policy, moderate improvement in laws and regulations Rhetoric offered in lieu of genuine change These are all forms of appeasement designed to satisfy the public's desire to believe that sacrifice, struggle, and a wrenching transformation of society will not be easy. That was by the allegory Mr. Al Gore, Earth in the Balance, the guy who's going to get a lot of the carbon taxes going through his private company and be even more sinking rich than he already is. Another one from Al Gore Adopting a a central organizing principle means embarking on an all-out effort to use every policy and program Every law and institution to halt the destruction of the environment And here's Agenda 21 from the United Nations Effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all human society That means all of you folks Unlike anything the world has ever experienced, a major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. This shift will uh, demand that a concern for the environment consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision-making at every level. So that's your, it's also under sustainable development. And then from the United Nations Earth Charter website, The current course of development is thus clearly unsustainable. Current problems cannot be solved by piecemeal measures. More of the same is not enough. Radical change from the current trajectory is not an option, but an absolute necessity. Fundamental economic, social, and cultural changes that address the root causes of poverty and environmental degradation are required, and they are required now. And, of course, they want to be in charge of it. And then you have Friends of the Earth. If you ever read Friends of the Earth, they hate humanity. They want most of us killed off. It's the earth and their friend of, not you. The gold now is a socialist, redistributionist society, which is nature's proper steward and society's only hope. And then if we don't overthrow capitalism, we don't have a chance of saving the world ecologically. I think it's possible to have an ecologically sound society under socialism. I don't think it's possible under capitalism. That was Judy Barry, principal organizer of Earth First, the other NGO funded by the big boys, the big foundations. And then Maurice Strong, who was picked up by his uh, his uh, shirt by Rockefeller himself, uh, who was running run across the world doing lots of things. It comes from a long lineage, by the way, of revolutionary families. Some of them worked with Na, uh, Mao Zedong in China and helped get the revolution going. He says, "Isn't the the, the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilizations collapse? Is it our, isn't a responsibility to bring that about? To bring about the industrialized." Collapse of civilizations. That's what he says. This is this great Canadian chutzpah uh, that no, no one's ever voted for because he doesn't go up for politics. He's placed in very high positions at the United Nations. He's also the founder of the UN Environment Programme and the Earth Summit. And the next Earth Summit comes up in 2012, where lose lose Morier rights. Then Paul Ehrlich, again, who wanted to be 80% or more of you all killed off, said a massive campaign must be launched to de-develop the United States. De-development means bringing our economic system into line with the realities of ecology and the world resource situation. That was he was a population, a professor of population studies, and a radical communist. And uh, he works again with the United Nations. Great pal of um, some of the people in Obama's administration, in fact. Then again, Michael Oppenheimer from Environmental Defense Funds. These are all funded by the parallel government, the ones who really run the world, the big multi-trillionaire foundations. The only way for the world is to to make sure there's not another United States. We can't let other countries have the same number of cars, the amount of industrialization we have in the U.S. We have to stop these third-world countries right where they are. And they are doing that, by the way. You wouldn't believe the restrictions under carbon and so on that they're placing on Africa and other nations. Global sustainability requires the deliberate quest of poverty, the austerity of people, reduced resource consumption, and set levels of mortality control. That's death control, Professor Maurice King. Another one here, co-founder of Earth First. We must make this an insecure and inhospitable place for capitalists and their projects. We must reclaim the roads and plowed land, halt dam construction, tear down existing dams, free shackled rivers, and return to wilderness, millions of acres of presently settled land. That's Earth First. Now, what they want to do, of course, on behalf of their masters, leading up to the to, to year 2050, is depopulate drastically, bring in disease, starvation, and they'll have their new city states, a handful of city states across the world. That was decided by the big think tank for the Department of Defense for their 50-year projection. You'll find out in the archive section of my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll also find the the one for the U.S. side by side by uh, with the one from Britain, both exactly the same. And this, all these organisations I'm talking about, are all part of getting us to that point. They don't see themselves living in poverty. Obviously. And um, the prospect of cheap fusion energy is the worst thing that could happen to the planet. Jeremy Rifkin, Greenhouse Crisis Foundation. You see, they they need these crises. They create the crisis, at least blow it out of proportion. And uh, they know darn well if we had cheap energy, well, we could carry on as always, like any normal being would do says, giving a society cheap, abundant energy would be the equivalent of giving an, an idiot child a machine gun. That's Professor Paul Ehrlich at Stanford University. And uh, our insatiable drive to rummage deep beneath the surface of the earth is a willful expansion of our dysfunctional civilization into nature. I'll go again. And this is James Lovelock from BBC interview. The big threat to the planet is people. There are too many doing too well economically and burning too much oil. He also wants everyone to get snuffed out that doesn't really have a function to serve the great society. And then co-founder Dave Foreman of Earth First, uh, my three main goals would be to reduce population to about 100 million worldwide, destroy the industrial infrastructure and see wilderness with its full complement of species returning throughout the world. And you see the money these, these uh, NGOs get uh, from the big foundations that are the international monetary lenders actually to the whole planet interesting how they, they, they fund all what seems to be the left wing isn't it and then Maurice Strong at the Rio Air Summit the last one current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake use of fossil fuels appliances, air conditioning and suburban housing are not sustainable except for himself of course and his own kind And that you will be a vegetarian because they they planned years ago to phase out meat altogether. It's not good having people who can think and are strong and healthy and might might decide to fight. You don't want people like that. You want a nice, weak, easy-going population uh, fed GMO stuff full of chemicals that will kill them off before they're 50 or 60 with cancers. Mankind is the most dangerous, destructive, selfish, and unethical animal on the earth. Michael Fox Vice President of the Humane Society, but he, he liked to kill off the people. Wonderful, isn't it? Be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the Matrix and I've gone over before how Margaret Thatcher, as one Prime Minister, uh, and others after her too, uh, talks about the need to open the doors to mass immigration because people were not having enough children which is part of the agenda. They were doing what they were told. They were going after buying a car or having more material goods rather than having children. Exactly what Charles Galton Darwin advocated in his book The Next Million Years. It worked very well doubled the tax base. All women went to work didn't bother having children and then as time went on uh, through the educational system and sex education and different studies, feminist studies, they didn't want to get married at all and then the cultural industry took over and now no one bothers to get married definitely want, don't want children. And, of course, they say, well, there's not enough children being born to pay off the national debt. We've got to bring all the immigration in. So you can't win by doing what they want. That's lesson number one. You're actually helping them because they wanted to destroy the culture eventually through mass immigration. And that's been successful. And that was admitted to by uh, the Prime Minister of Britain's uh, second-in-command when he stepped down from office. So, And I read that from the mainstream on the air when it happened. Now, to bring the populations down, uh, they're, they're, they said to, one of the greatest things you could do is bring in new viruses, bacteriums, etc. And they've been working on this for, since, well, even before World War II. Canada led the field for a long time for bacterial and viral warfare, for instance. And uh, towards the end, they were going to just let loose a whole bunch of stuff that would affect the people, not the ones at the top, because they get real vaccinations, the ones that really do work and don't kill you. And um here's an article here. Super a super bug is now in Ontario. It could become hospital born scourge. It's not a bug in itself. It's it's listen to the, it's a sliver of DNA. So you got disformed DNA. It must be carried by something. Viruses generally carry bits of DNA. But it says it's a sliver of DNA that turns ordinary bacteria into super bugs. And could become a new scourge in Ontario hospitals, one of Toronto's top infectious disease experts say Coming from India and Pakistan It's a tiny genetic package and can worm its way into normal bacteria That colonize our bodies by the billions And produce an enzyme that makes them immune to most major antibiotics And according to Greece, who's also got it uh, mortality can be 50% of the people who become infected. So there's one thing there. And then the same day you get E. coli outbreak. The WHO says, Dr. WHO, of course, the World Health Organization, says bacterium is a new strain. And here's another one, a new strain of E. coli. Now, E. coli was one of the first bacteriums they used for germ warfare. They've tried everything with it. They even use it to, to carry, as a carrier, um, when, they're, when they're putting new genes into the fish, for instance, which the, every government's doing, the Department of Fisheries, inland fisheries too, not just the salmon, they actually inject this, this uh, new DNA uh, carried by the, the E. coli. The E. coli carries it deep inside the organism. And then when the, the fish's cells die off and try to replenish, the new, the, the, the new restructured artificial ones take over. But they use E. coli for that. So here's a new E. coli outbreak And it's a bacterium, it's a new strain. And this is German doctors confirm World Health Organization's report, this has never before been seen, an outbreak of this strain of E. coli. And now a more virulent strain of the E. coli bacterium caused the outbreak that killed 17 people, left more than 1,500 ill across Europe, uh, they've announced. So I'll put these links up, and you can read them for yourself. There's too many to actually talk about, actually. And I'll also put up the link from the BBC News on the same topic, uh, uh, there's one on Russia. Russia has also refused to bring in all the vegetables coming in from uh, other European countries because they don't want to get infected about with it. But then you jump to Pakistan. Now, Pakistan, there's many ways, ways of uh, waging warfare against the people. For instance, what they're doing to Pakistan, they've already done to all of you, beginning in the 1950s with the polio vaccines. And the cancer viruses, like simian virus 40 that was put into all the, the viruses, into, the, into every shot that you got, and all the other vaccinations they gave you afterwards, to, which helped sterilize you. They helped to ensure that you, you won't live for your pension, which suits governments very well. They're always on about the baby boomers, knowing darn well most of them will die off before they got their pensions. Then the government would scoff it and then use it for their sustainable living projects in the big society in Britain. So anyway... Seventy-eight percent of Pakistani children with polio were given the polio vaccines. This is—I've this is seen this article so many times in other countries because wherever uh, UNICEF and, and, and uh, the World Health Organization goes, they leave this trail of devastation behind them. The last one was when they were given polio vaccines in, in uh, Africa, and uh, it, it, it actually—it was a live virus—and. It ended up giving uh, lots of children uh, this new live virus, and they can't treat it at all. It's, it's a brand new form. After being in the body, it mutated, and now it's a live form, and it's spreading like welfare. They can't stop it. Uh, and so they give the same stuff to the children in Pakistan uh, two or three years after this. Nothing changed about it. Same stuff. As Pakistan has lost favour with the US and UNICEF, polio vi- uh, virus has paralysed increasing numbers of Pakistani youths, casting doubt on the good intentions of those who fight polio. You see, everything is weaponised today, including especially doing good. We're here to help you, knowing darn well their plans for Pakistan down the road. To make matters worth most of the new, cases have occurred in children already vaccinated. Is the US, US attempting to fight Pakistan by tainting inoculation doses? Well, remember Kissinger, when he said that the greatest uh, 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 threat to the state of the nation were the third world countries and overpopulation, and then they went into action to devise a whole bunch of ways to bring down their populations. This might just be one of them, you see. Think about it. No, they'd never do that. They don't mean what they say. Back with more after this break.
0: listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth
1: hi folks we're back cutting through the matrix and there's a caller on the line mahara from washington are you there mahara
2: yes hello alan hello uh, it was, uh, once again, I enjoyed listening to your show, and thank you for all you do. Um, it was very interesting recently. I was sitting on an airplane on a trip to Minnesota and uh, sitting next to a woman who turned it out to come from Oroville, India. Have you heard of Oroville? No, no. Oroville is really interesting. As we started visiting, it reminded me I wish you would have been there because Oroville has been sponsored by UNESCO. Yep. but uh it's basically from what she told me, it sounds just like what they planned the world to be, where people work simply work it's not nobody has any private property as long as they're working, they have a house there to live in in yep. that type of scenario and um anyway, it was just very interesting and when she mentioned UNESCO, I realized, oh my goodness, you know this is like maybe it's a it's the miniature uh you know uh, project to see how things go, yeah. uh, or whatever, but it started in 1968. might mm-hmm. be interesting for you to look at, just to, you
1: know, I mean... I'll have a look into that one.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's called AuraVille. Mm-hmm. And another a question I had for you, I'm, I'm still somewhat confused about uh, uh, the whole Christianity thing. When I speak to people about what's going on, it seems like there's always... Um, Confusion because a lot of the Christians, while they still, you know, they believe in the New World Order and, and what's going on, still um, have their thoughts that uh, the Bible is real and Revelations is still real, and and uh, that Christ will come back and in His brilliance wipe out all the evil of the world. And uh... I've been looking at some different books, one the sixteen worlds, sixteen crucified saviors, and things of that nature. What are your stands on? Or how do you feel about uh, uh, the confusion that's caused by mixing the two together, basically?
1: Well, Revelation in itself wasn't put into the the main book for hundreds of years. And it was taken in and out, even by the Vatican, quite a few times over centuries because of its writing. Its writing is highly Gnostic in language. And you've got to understand uh, that there were different groups at that time in the early days of Christianity, there were Gnostic groups, and there were a variety of them too. But the Gnostics um, believed that um, anyone could become enlightened, and uh, basically be illumined. And that's where the whole term illumination came from initially. And uh, they use a very mystical language to to to, um, to speak in, so that only for their own converts, really. And if you look at the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, there's no real uh, mystical language. A little bit in John because he was Gnostic, but um, not not too much uh, mystical language. In Revelation, they have uh, it's completely mystical and, and uh, allegorical too in, in what it's talking about there. Because there were other rival groups uh, around at that time. One of them was Mithraism, and Mithraism. Uh, actually, it was a main competitor to Christianity. Uh, often you would have Christians in, in the uh, in the Roman Senate, for instance, who were both, and uh, and um, even the rulers too. Uh, so it, we know that Constantine, even though he, be, he be became a Christian, he belonged to Mithrate, the Mithraic cult as well. And he also put up a statue to himself on the House of the Gods to be worshipped as a god like any previous emperor. So it was a hodgepodge at the beginning. But Revelation, really, um, you can take it in two different ways. You could take it as, uh, which has been endorsed, again, by the powers that be in previous centuries to keep the people quite happy and content. Uh, Don't do anything. God will do it all for you. And the bad guys get their just punishment, which is awfully nice when you're getting beaten up as a peasant and you don't have much at all, uh, that the bad guys will get their comeuppance. However, um, Revelation... Uh, has much deeper significance personally, if you really understand the language within it. Uh, but if you understand the New Testament, um, if you were to take by example the man you're supposed to be following, uh, then the man didn't sit and wait for anything. He was more of a man of action, and he knew what was going to happen. When you stand up, you're going to get knocked down or killed, and he chose the latter. He stood up against evil in his own lifetime. He stood up against the banking corrupt system that was in, in cahoots with the pipe, the high priests that run the system, and uh, he suffered the consequences. He didn't sit and, well, I'll leave it all to God, no. And Christians have been tamed and, and, and used, by the way, uh, down through the centuries, especially and especially in the 20th century to the present, to sit back and be a cheering uh, group, really, for the government's agenda. And uh, it's, it's a drastically different kind of, of Christianity that existed even in the Middle Ages or even when they founded uh, America. So revelation uh, can also be put into the mystery religion as part of the mystery religion of illumination. Whenever you see a deity uh, or, or appearing that's whiter than, than white, whiter than snow, they're talking about uh, the, the illumined man. And you'll find the same thing uh, with references to other Old Testament characters, too, who also, uh, like the Keys of Enoch, for instance, uh, where his son, uh, when he was born, it filled up the cave with his light. He was illumined. Uh, Is telling you about a special lineage of illumined families within Revelations. There's many... I could go on for hours just lecturing about it on different levels, but uh, if you understand why it's been used for political reasons, it's to be, keep uh, a cheering crowd pacified within the United States who also have been used by the government to, to, to back wars, um, at, at least uh, in their voting uh, methods um, for, for big bankers and so on, terribly used. And that was all out in the press, of course, when they, they backed George Bush and he brought all the pastors in and got them together and says, you know, make sure your, your flock are all on board with these wars. Uh, but true Christianity, of course, was a, a, an action thing. And uh, it was you, you've only got one example to follow, and that's a guy who stood up for all, all against all the evil things of his time, and he led by example.
2: And so uh, you feel that, then you know, my confusion, I guess, is I I just have difficulties sometimes with the whole Jesus scenario, because to have Jesus as a crucified person, uh, crucified God, man, the Son of Man, or whatever. Um, uh, to relieve us all from our sins of just basically being born a sinner uh, or whatever. I just have, <laughs> I have difficulties with the whole concept that... As well, as
1: well as really, there's no really original sin in the New Testament. Uh, that was a, a concept that came out of Ju- Judaism itself and and the Vatican grabbed it, actually, and then when the Jews forgot about it and didn't bother with original sin because they don't believe in that anymore... Um, uh, the Vatican uh, put it up on a pedestal as, as a, basically again to cow everybody under that you're born under something which only they themselves, the Vatican and the priests could get you out of that's really what its purpose was for but there's no mention anywhere of original sin in, in the books themselves yeah. Yeah. you understand any religion, any belief system will be used by, by uh, political powers
2: well, yeah, I, I just kind of feel like all of them have been given to us for control and mind control. Well,
1: it, it doesn't matter even if they're, they're given to you. I mean, even the stories in India about the Buddha, uh, that everyone loves the Buddha, and, and of course modern Buddhism is completely mixed up with Hinduism uh, to do with reincarnation and so on. All we have about the Buddha uh, was writ, written by his students. And they said that they were furious at him because he would never, ever go into spiritualism with them. He was telling them how to have a life on this world in their own lifetime and how to have a good one and, and so on. But he would not go into spiritualism with them, spiritual values. And what he did say was that he was there to try and break the horrific internal cycle of reincarnation that people believed in, which kept them in utter poverty and uh, they were subject to the ruling castes. That's what he said about about reincarnation. However, just like the Christianity, very similar, about 200 years or so after he was dead, uh, the first main uh, convocation that they had to bring them all the different sects together, and there were so many sects within 200 years, they then finalized uh, what, what Buddhism was to be by eliminating other parts and, and, and emphasizing certain ones to make modern, what became modern Buddhism. And they brought in all the, all the old Hindu values and reincarnation into it again. So it doesn't matter who comes up with the right thing. Um, the old system always tries to dominate it and generally does because there's wealth behind it and power behind it. Uh, so that's, that's really how it goes, yeah.
2: Well, thank you. I could listen to you for hours, and actually I do.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> well, thanks. I
2: appreciate you very
1: much. Thanks for calling. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you've got one life to lead here, and if you don't use it, and you, if you're sitting waiting for someone to do it for you, why should any deity come along and say, I'll help you? It, when you're saying, oh, no, I don't care, people are suffering, I'm going to be okay, and I've been good, I've been good, you know, define good, what is good? and uh, God will do all for me, and all the bad people will get punished in an afterlife. Well, I tell you, that is not scaring the bad people very much, is what I'm seeing today. And uh, Christianity was a a revolutionary concept in its day. Revolutionary was the word. And the people, the early Christians, stood up for their values by getting thrown to lions and slaughtered in the rings and the arena. Uh, by the thousands and that is facts well that is well recorded these guys literally could have given in any time and said well, okay I'll, I'll, I'll kiss the ring. I'll 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 praise uh, the Caesar as a god and they would have been let go but none of them would do it You try that with the bunch that are living today the smug bunch yeah. for, for what they believe I will let the government do all that. It's all for the government. Yeah We ought to sit here and just be nice and good and, and keep quiet now, euthanasia is a big, big part of this world agenda. And uh, uh, in the League of Nations, when they formed it, uh, you had uh, Aldous Huxley, his brother, uh, Julian Huxley, when they developed the United Nations from from League of Nations. Uh, Huxley was the first CEO of it. He talked about all the things to come. They would encourage euthanasia. They'd uh, encourage, he uh, says, massive promiscuity so that people would not bond especially if you can get them really uh, rutting like rabbits before they're, they're in puberty. They'll never bond in their lifetime. There's no need to. And again, get them uh, f- physical enticements, goods and commerce and, and jobs, um, and that way they won't breed. That was the main thing. And homosexuality was to get pushed to the top as well, by the way, because again, they wouldn't breed anything where they would make sure that children were not born was to be promoted many, 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 many years ago. But euthanasia was too, and they've tried to get euthanasia into all the European countries. Uh, Holland was the first one to go along with it. Now, if you just feel a bit off weather, uh, you've had enough of scary news, you just go and get euthanized. Uh, they, they Euthanize a the nun by mistake too, and get off with that as well. And then you have families bribing doctors to bump somebody off for the will. All of this kind of stuff is happening. And... Through the back door in Britain, they seem to have got it through. And it says here, end-of-life patient charter launched. Uh, The Royal College of GPs, general practitioners, and the Royal College of Nursing have launched a new patient charter on end-of-life care, they're calling it. Published today, uh, the charter focuses on the care of people who are nearing the end of their life and aims to ensure their final wishes are carried out. Now, lawyers would have a, a, a field day with that wording. All GP practices across England will receive a copy of the charter, which contains guidelines on what all patients should be able to expect from their family doctor and primary health care team. Now, Professor Kerry Thomas, clinical champion for end-of-life care at the RCGP, said GPs and their teams have a special relationship not just with their patients, but the people close to them, all of whom need special care and support through the process of dying. Now, they already have teams, for instance, that they fly in to try and... Um, and get people to get their organs from their relatives. They fly these pro teams in to try and convince the relatives to give the, oh, go ahead. And it's the same kind of thing here. They'll fly these guys in and say, well, you know, you, you, you could just go all the way and get euthanized. It'd be painless. It'd be quite harmless and so on. And but I've said for years now, I don't care what people do personally. People have always chosen euthanasia rather than suffer through definitely terminal diseases that are painful. But that's a personal matter and it's you know, a family matter. And they've all, they'll always find ways to do it. You cannot give this power to the state. You must never give this power to the state. That's what I'm saying. What people want to do it's up to them. It's their choice. But this power cannot be given to the state because once they get, go, go ahead with it, they expand the rules, they expand the ways in which it can be done, and conditions it can be done to, uh, upon. And uh, they've always wanted this on the books. And when you have a national health service and government's running it And the cost uh, efficiency on the go and all the rest of it cutbacks Believe you me, if it's a choice between treating you to make you live a few years longer Or bumping you off with a cheap pill That you're going to get the cheap pill Common sense Anyway, I'll put this link up tonight too at com. Now, <laughs> that's quite interesting with Cameron in Britain Cameron's got quite a history, you've got to look into it and see what family he's descended from, one of the richest banking families on the planet, because I think it was his grandfather uh, uh, was the part of the Levitus family that uh, uh, were very powerful uh, in the Shanghai Bank for, to do with the opium uh, into China, all that stuff I had to go through them, made a lot of cash. But you always find the lineages are connected with the usual lineages. And it says here, I saw Live Aid, and I'm sticking to my promise. This is his rubbish. He's talking to the public as he justifies giving more billions of, of pounds in Britain and giving, them, giving it abroad, where people are being cut, and they're getting cut back on their fuel fuel rationing every year, till thousands die every year, and that's now normal, and people accept that as normal. That's disgusting, in Britain. You're throwing all this cash abroad. And it's, again, it's not because the people need it abroad or, or maybe they do need it or don't need it. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with what I mentioned at the beginning of the, the, the this broadcast with these quotes and so on. You see, the International Monetary Fund is to be the big stick. This is part two, Bretton Woods, that we're going through, that John Maynard Keynes, who set it up, said we'd go through. He said it wouldn't be in his lifetime. It would come around 2000 or after 2000. This is it now, and it's been brought up to its full height with the the Bank of International Settlements, the big bank, all the ones, all the big banks that were there with the World Bank at the G8 summit. And they have to rule and spend the cash for the world, and the money they give to overseas, to third world countries, does not go there. It gets invested in the big international corporations that set up bases around the planet. And Live Aid, by the way, go and see Starsuckers. I'll try and find the link again. And in the second part of Star Suckers, you'll see what happened, what really happened to the money from Live Aid. It was one of the biggest rackets in history, and billions went missing. Benway, he says, is unapologetic for uh, giving out more money to to different countries and so on. He just wants to be so loved for giving you all your cash from a country that's already getting put into austerity. They're already getting put into the communitarian areas under the big idea. That's what they're calling it, uh, your new communitarian collectivist society, uh, where, where really it's not it's run by a, a, a socialist kind of fascist system. And um, you won't be electing anybody shortly. That's the way it's to go. Yeah, it's quite something. I'll put a link up too. You know, we'll talk about some of the corruption as all the top Caesars dine and wine on your cash at the top, knowing it's the end of the system. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and I was going to talk about uh, the incredible money that the ones at the top are blowing on themselves on jewellery and gifts and flights uh, as the whole system goes down. This is pretty standard at the end of an age. Uh, It's happened in all previous civilizations as the boys at the top are so greedy, they feel untouchable and they're not responsible to the public anymore. But I'll, I'll go into that perhaps tomorrow. We've got a caller from Nevada, that's Rick, is on the line. Are you there, Rick? Yes, Alan. You yes. spoke of uh, Terry. Uh, you spoke of the euthanasia
0: power uh, and not uh, letting that get into the hands of the state. But this already happened in the case of Terry Schiavo, didn't it?
1: That did. It was a, a judge ordered it. that put her to death, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, not only uh, did they kill her, uh, but they tortured her for a good long time. Uh yeah. They gradually inured her to uh, being able to survive for long periods without water because they did it several times in different court rulings leading up to the the final, uh, to her killing. And uh, in fact, she had was given no water for
2: the final uh, almost two weeks of her life.
1: And, And that's standard now across the U.S.? A standard across the U.S. and all these hospices, that's what they decided to do is just uh, um, basically starve them to death and die of thirst as well. I mean, what a way to take care of a person. To, people can be taken care of to the very end and fed and watered uh, without that. There's no need for that whatsoever. But what they're doing is normalizing it in the public's mind that this is how it's to be. And they're trying to say this economically, efficient. it's far, far, far better for the economy than spending money. Well, I'm sorry, there's nothing more important than life, human life, if you want to spend money on. Human life, you know, not dishing it across the planet or causing wars. It should go to, to human life, and that's what money's for.
0: Yeah. There is a, uh, a good side of the story of the Terry Schiavo case. At the very end, though, and the Pinellas County Sheriff's deputies who went to that hospice and attempted to rescue her, although they were turned back by the local city police, yeah. they at least had the courage to
1: try. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are decent people here who knows what's going on, and they know what's happening. If it becomes the norm, it's going to be a horror show. And If we can't stand up for, for, for people who are going through this now and making sure they're taken care of properly until they die normally. Uh, it doesn't matter if it lasts weeks weeks, or months or even a year longer. Who cares? Um, it should be done that way. That's how it used to be done. But uh, at one time, too, you see what families that took care of us, and uh, that, that helped you mature as members of the family died. You took care of them. It made you respect life all the more. We don't respect life anymore. We're in a nihilistic system. And, uh, they have to make examples every so often and, and put it into the media. And, and it's, uh, it's almost like a magical spell that weaves in the mind that this is inevitable and this is the way of the future. Well, it doesn't have to be the way of the future. But yeah, the, the sheriff went and did that. Then, then, you know, hats off to him for, for being a human being. Yeah.
0: But, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche I've said that, uh, you, uh, the barometer of a, of a society's goodness is how it treats its elderly. It's eld, it's old. Absolutely. And I would send that also to its weak.
1: Yes. That's right. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. And then it's just astonishing to watch uh, as Britain goes under and all these different uh, agendas, and it's still at war, of course. Uh, the United Nations has got all these guys at war uh, to plunder countries for their oil and gold and silver, natural resources, water supplies, and standardize it in, into the same disgusting system. So they'll lose all their values as well the values have sustained them for thousands of years no one can be entered independent they must be interdependent that means totally dependent on the big banking system they're bringing in And life your life means nothing to them so we got to nip this in the bud and say we've had enough and no more from hamish myself from Ontario, canada is good night to me your god or your gods go with you